0: Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Coppon.
1: I Worried by Mary Oliver. I worried a lot. Will the garden grow? Will the rivers flow in the right direction? Will the earth turn as it was taught? And if not, how shall I correct it? Was I right? Was I wrong? Will I be forgiven? Can I do better? Will I ever be able to sing? Even the sparrows can do it, and I am, well, hopeless. Is my eyesight fading, or am I just imagining it? Am I going to get rheumatism, lockjaw, dementia? Finally, I saw that worrying had come to nothing, and gave it up and took my old body, and went out into the morning, and sang. Welcome to Cop On Podcast, you wonderfully wiggly Echinococcus. My name's Owen, and I'm delighted to have you with us. You can block us on Twitter at CopOnPodcast. You can send us your scanned tax returns to CopOnPodcast at gmail.com. You can float like a butterfly to Patreon.com forward slash CopOnPodcast if you'd like if you'd like to sponsor us for as measly an amount as one U.S. dollar per month, or you can graffiti CopOn in massive ten-meter letters onto your most local Roman ruin. Thank you so much. Enjoy. Okay, I'm so very, very happy. So really, absolutely, really thrilled and chuffed that Fergus is back from Portugal and Ryan is back from Liverpool. It's lovely to have you here. Um, uh, Fergus, you know, welcome back. It's been, it's been a long while. Um. How are you feeling after yesterday's results? Because, you know, Liverpool are, you know, fabulous, aren't they?
2: Yeah, uh, obviously it's it's been a bit of a break. I thought I'd give a, lo- a lot of other people a chance. And uh, it's been great to hear the other contributors on the podcast. But, um how am i feeling after yesterday well i was very very confident going into the game i i don't know why i didn't get with the general vibe that leicester were scary or dangerous or would be a difficult match you know i think i said to you on on a, on a text last week that uh or during the week that we would win 4-0 you were surprised by that and in fact it turned out to be 3-0 um the uh, the XG had about a 4-2 scoreline on it, but I think we could have won six or seven nil. You know, Bobby hit the post twice. So um, yesterday's game, I mean, we'll come on to that, of course. But by 60 minutes, even by 30 minutes, it seemed over with the second goal. But by 60 minutes, it, everyone was going through the motions. Leicester had had shot their load; they couldn't do any more, um, and and Liverpool were just totally in control. So. Um, for me, totally expected results, and it's great. The season is going to be a grind. I feel really sorry for the players. You know, there's that old debate, oh, they earn so much. But come on, you know, playing every three or four days and traveling, it's an incredibly demanding schedule and how, tight, how tough those games are. So um, overall, I'm just really grateful to Klopp and the team for doing so well so far.
1: That's a lovely answer. And yes, I, do, I don't I do mind admitting it at all. I was very nervous coming into this one. We'll talk about it uh, in a bit more details very soon. But Brian, uh, how are you? I mean, I, I'm sort of buzz. I'm still really buzzing from yesterday's win.
0: Yeah, I'm the same. Uh, I, I wasn't quite as confident as Vegas, but I think I was somewhere in the middle between the two of you because the second I saw the team sheet, really, I felt that we had a really strong chance of getting getting the win uh, but I do respect the quality particularly of Jamie Fardy, uh, uh in that Leicester side and I'm over the moon with the result that we got and, and more than that the performance that we put in uh, which we'll come to in a little bit but yeah I feel great at the minute
1: Great stuff well just before we make like a in the pond with fish and dive and swoop right into it. Um, I want to start with a few questions from the listeners. I'm going to go to you, Fergus, first. Um, We've got a question coming on Twitter from Nigel Cody. Um, And he asks if we can assess and compare the attitudes of Bob Paisley's team from 76 to 83 Joe Fagan's team 84 85 uh the Dalglish team 85 to 91 with Jürgen's team and you know can we you know can we make many comparisons between between those teams and the current one
2: yeah it's that's a really interesting point um I suppose just to, to make it as short as possible because obviously you could write a book on that, um, someone could write a book on that and, and it would take a lot of research. Um, I suppose my first um, observation there with respect to the question is that I think Bill, Bill Shankley was the real architect of the Bob Paisley team and in many ways um, Shankley probably doesn't get, I mean okay maybe I'm, ex- I'm stretching it a bit. Maybe he doesn't get as much credit as he should. Part of the reason is that um, Paisley won all the trophies. Uh, Paisley was Shankly's assistant. Uh, Paisley won, but really it was Shankly who built the team, built the club, uh, built the the culture of the club. Um, from you know from a second division side to the best club side in Europe and in England. Um, so. And then uh, likewise, Fagan carried on what Paisley and Shankly had done, and and then Dalglish carried that on with the famous boot room. Now I suppose that the most obvious comparison would be, firstly that in that time, which I do remember, I sort of came to be a Liverpool fan in 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 the Paisley era, in about 78, 79 was the first time I started watching Liverpool. Um, I, at that time, it seemed like the English league was less competitive, you know. We had Forest Nottingham Forest popping up in 79, 80, winning two Euro- European Cups in a row, which is incredible. Winning the league, I think, once or twice as well. I can't quite remember with Brian Clough. Um, but really, we, we, Liverpool were steamrolling the rest of the division. We were a bit like Man United, uh you know if i if I, can, um, if I can swear on this podcast that uh, <laughs> d- d- during the uh, the alex ferguson era whereby i don't think that they had much competition Uh, in the league and that's why they won so much. They basically bought up all the good players, bought up every good striker they could find and that's why they won so many league titles, you know. I think Ryan Giggs won 13 league titles. So Liverpool really totally like a machine, they dominated that era with not not much competition. So the final point I would say on that is that um, um, I think that Klopp is comparable to Shankly, rather than to Paisley, um, Dalglish and Fagan because Klopp came in to a a club that had lost its way, a club that has lost a lot of its culture. There was infighting amongst the fans. Uh, There was a lot of disenchantment. We'd had years, we'd had decades of disappointment. Uh, The club had lost its way. It had tried and tried with every loads of different managers you know you can name them some some bad some worse and Klopp came in and rebuilt the culture he identified the culture he brought back the Shankly culture and he and and he introduced so that that's how I would compare all of them
1: it's a lovely answer it's a lovely answer it's a really good question from Nigel as well Um, I just remember the Kenny team from the late 80s and, and and the similarity I would say what springs to mind is the is the togetherness of the players I mean you can tell I mean um, I was lucky enough to go and see John Barnes um, uh, last year two years ago maybe um, talking and, and you you heard him on the intro as where I cajoled him into doing an intro for Cop On he didn't know what was going on. I sort of confused him into doing it but thank you immeasurably to John Barnes my hero um, and uh, anyway but you know they're, they're still good friends you could tell the you know the camaraderie between uh, Barnes and uh, McMahon who was there and Jan Mulby, absolute legends but you could tell that they're mates and they look out for each other and that's the difference between this team and uh, you know a team with Gerard and Carragher and things like that I mean remember Carragher how he shouted at Dagon uh, you know to to Basically, 50 times a match for good reason, of course, but there's just some kind of camaraderie that's come back. That's what I would say. Uh, do you have anything to add uh, to, to this uh, idea of comparing different mentalities, Ryan?
0: I do. I think uh, you you've both raised some really good points. There are really strong parallels to draw between Jaeg and Klopp and Bill Shankley. I think there's a sense of a certain genre de where Klopp just automatically has this cool sense of leadership about him, The Shankly did. He's very quotable. He, he's got an almost smoldering intensity to him that just makes people want to run through brick walls for him. And, and uh, Kenny also has bits of that. Now, obviously, uh, I'm a little bit younger than you two, and, and for me, I didn't get to see the, the glory days of the 70s and the 80s. And my first experience of listening to Kenny talk was very much uh that that second stint that he had uh but even then with kenny you get this sense of a measuredness of his words and klopp has that too uh that that really unifies the the dressing room that he has with him um and i think he has some of the defensive solidity of, of the shankley sides you know we talk about clemens recently and obviously you know massive respect to him and just like to take a second to pay tribute to a great man um but there's the a set defensive solidity like the early '70s sides, but there's also this attack and flair that was quite visible uh, in in the Kenny era, uh, the, the, certainly the first Kenny era, because the second one we didn't quite have the same level of players.
1: Excellent answer, excellent answer. Um, uh, Robin's here. Robin's just joined us. Hello, Robin. You can um answer a question from the listener if you don't mind, from the um from a listener, Peter at Peter Frank Five, who says. If we could guarantee one player to never get injured again, who would you choose, Robin?
3: Hi, Owen. Um, I think Peter mentioned his choice was Alison. I think that's a good shout. Um, I would have chosen between Alisson and uh, Virgil, but now we're getting a taste of what it's like without Virgil van Dijk. So obviously he's a top class defender and we don't want him to be out but we're doing okay considering especially with the last um, last victory that we had against Leicester but when Alisson was out, the whole defence was shot. Uh, you can see what organisation and the calmness it does bring to the defence. And the drop-off is huge. Um, as much as I like Adrian, he's, he's been a good player for us, but it's not his fault, he's not an Alisson. There's no no other player l- like Alisson. So I would probably say Alisson. There, there was a couple of times yesterday in the Leicester match when there was a almost like a routine say that Alison made look quite simple, but with other keepers you have that, You have that fear that there might be a fumble or that might parry it out into the six-yard box for somebody else to come in, or he might not be so quick at coming off his line to clear that ball or that pass out to the wings or the full backs might be a little bit loose and um, the opposition can capitalise on that. But Alisson does it all and it's right. He makes it all look simple. So I think we might take that for granted. I would probably say Alisson, and you can see when he wasn't in the team earlier in the season, We just didn't look right. Um, So I I would probably say Alisson. There are some great players in the team. I don't know who my favourite is. It it changes every week. But um, at the moment, I would say Alisson. He adds that calming effect to the defence.
1: It's a great answer. I think I would agree. Although part of me says um, a player who's played, I think a 130 minutes of Premier League football or any football for Liverpool. And that's Thiago Alcantara. I know he's new. But I was listening to uh, The Athletic podcast and um, Kiva O'Neill was saying that that was one of, you know, that was the greatest 135 minutes of her life. And I kind of agree in terms of (laughs) watch it as a purist, you know, you know, we all love football. Of course we do. But this guy is pure joy to watch. So, I mean, yeah, I think Alison is the right answer in terms of. As you said, the drop-off is huge. But just, I just want you know, if I could guarantee to watch Tiago every game, it just, I don't know, it'd add a lot to my life. Um, is, is, does anyone have a, a different answer, Brian or or Fergus? Fergus, I would agree with
2: Alison. That's a good shout. Uh, I totally agree with Robin in that his footwork and positioning are brilliant for a goalkeeper, and that's why he he. Uh, tends to always be in the right place. So, and as as Robin also remarked, that since we've we've lost VVD, having Allison back, um, it has shown in many ways he's he's an even more important player. Uh, he's such a crucial player to us. Um, and then, of course, I would agree with your uh, uh, shouts of Tiago, also Hendo and Mane. They're the other three that I would consider that are. are almost essential to the side. But my first shout would be Alison.
1: Yeah, great answer. I mean, it'd be great if none of them were ever injured, wouldn't it? But uh, yeah, Ryan, what about you?
0: So Alison is quite clearly the right answer here. He's so integral to the way we play the drop-off. And I do, I will defend Adrian as, more, as much as anyone else will. Uh, but the drop-off from Alison to Adrian is massive. It's more than any other player. But for me, I'm going to pick a little bit of a, a more sentimental answer and pick Navi Keita because I just two reasons. One, uh, I think the lad just needs to, to stay fit. If he could stay fit, he could be an amazing player for us. But also, two, I'm sick of having that, that sentence come out of my mouth of going, if he could just stay fit, and if he could just get a, a run of 10, 15 games, he could be an incredible player. And I think he really could. But he's. I, I think I'm at the point now with Nabby where I don't believe that he can stay fit. I think he's in the same category as a Joel matter where you you just constantly worry every time he he twists or turns that that he's going to end up on the injury shelf again
1: yeah nabby lad Uh, it would be lovely to to see him get a nice run in the team wouldn't it but uh, no thank you very much um yeah, Peter, for that question, at Peter Frank 5. He also mentions Hendo as well, like Fergus, because uh, we do miss a lot when he's out, of course. But let's move on. Let's talk about Leicester, the great match yesterday. Absolutely insane. Um, yeah, so going into this match, as I said before, I was a little bit nervous. I had the heebie-jeebies. Leicester had won six games in a row. Uh, they were top of the league going into the weekend. Um Admittedly, with seven penalties, uh, but I just thought that they were looking good. You know, listening to Leicester fans as well on on preview podcasts saying that, you know, Tielemans was in the form of his life. I'd watched a few matches and I thought, yeah, Leicester, wow, you know, they'll give us a game because of our injuries. I mean, we're missing VVD, uh, missing all these players, but we absolutely smashed them, Robin. Um, Did you have any doubts, Robin? Um. A little
3: bit. Not, I, I didn't think we were going to lose. I just thought that we were in for a tough match. I think we would have, um, I personally would have uh, grudgingly accepted a draw, although I never won a draw. I always want to win. But I thought in the, in the light of the injuries that's been well documented, I thought a draw isn't a bad result. There are some teams in the league that you think it's going to be easier. But Leicester are top for a reason. They've been playing uh too many i mean they've had some big games against arsenal and uh, man city as well and they won those matches so we can't really take them too lightly and um they're very close to uh, finishing the top four so there are a there are a good side and they're in good form um i didn't know what kind of trouble Vardy would have caused us with his pace with Matip and uh fabino i was Well, as much as we like them, they're not known to be fast defenders and especially with Fabinho coming back from a hamstring injury as well, that could have been tough for him to having to chase Wadi all over the place. Um, So I thought we were in for a tough time, but um, it didn't seem like it. It seemed like it was business as usual. I quite enjoyed how everybody slotted into the roles as though nothing happened. and it's a very professional performance, and I loved enjoy. I loved enjoying um, watching that. And there were a few fans thinking that this is the moment um, of the Lister and neutral fans thinking that this is the moment where Lilpa are going to slip up, it's a, it's a prime, it's set up like a perfect storm for Lil to lose points and in fact it just showed us to be stronger from a position where we were seemingly weak because of the absence of these five or so key players and for us to then produce the performance that we did shows us actually it's quite scary how much depth we have so from a perception of a weakness we've come out looking even stronger as a squad which is um, bodes well for us as a club for the fan base and also make sure that the rest of the players are keep on the toes because if they're not performing to the high levels there's somebody else waiting in the wings in the squad to take their position and fit in normally and they may struggle to get the place back so I, I,
1: I loved it. Yeah you're absolutely right I mean you know Mo Salah's coming back who are you going to drop out of the front three I thought they were absolutely superb yesterday um, but Lester Fergus I know that you're you know you probably can't wait to get stuck into Brendan Rodgers really but um, um, they, they they set up with a sort of 5-4-1 after the first 15 minutes when they were getting absolutely slaughtered. Um, and it was a very flat five and a very flat four. Uh, and um, we were sort of causing havoc all over the place. Leicester are going into this game, thanks to Josh from the brilliant Analyzing Anfield podcast, he said that Leicester are 18th in the league in terms of shots created from open play. They don't create anything if it isn't a penalty. And, you know, are they secretly really bad, Fergus? Well,
2: that's, uh, I've always, as you know, had uh, had serious doubts over Rodgers since his time at Liverpool. Um, so I... Um, not one of the the psychophantic followers that he seems to have in the media and elsewhere who who actually think he's he's a good manager, he's got a lot of self-PR, and I suppose just to put some meat on that criticism, um, well I mean let's start with yesterday's performance A 5-4-1 would have been the right tactics against Liverpool because clearly they were going away from home. Liverpool are the better side, the better players. They're going to dominate the ball. And what they had to do uh, would be to play like they played against Man City a few weeks ago and sit back and uh, absorb... uh, uh, the, the, the Liverpool attacks put plenty of men in the box, in the middle of the box, to, to cut out the crosses from the Liverpool fullbacks. As you know, Andy Robertson is a great crosser. Okay, we didn't have Trent yesterday, but we have Milner, who's also a great crosser when he gets forward enough. So that would have been the idea, just to... Defend And then catch us on the break with the likes of of Vardy and and Tielemans and whoever else that all Brighton I think played yesterday as well. But in the end, Leicester were extremely flat. They played even they couldn't didn't even get that right. Um, And I'll give credit to Liverpool on that. Well, first of all, Liverpool were were, were excellent yesterday. They they controlled possession of the ball. Leicester couldn't even um, string two or three passes together. So whatever went wrong there, I don't know. Maybe they didn't have enough training. Uh, in the run up to the game but also well, I'll give credit to liverpool in that i noticed that they had uh, a deeper defensive line they were aware of vardy normally when van Dyke is playing they're happy to to defend um inside the opposition half it, it, in and around the center circle but have a very high line because we know how quick van Dyke and gomez are but yesterday uh with matip and um and and Fabinho, who aren't quite as quick and with the Vardy threat, they defended 10 yards deeper and they were just inside their own half. So that was good credit to Liverpool. Um, in general, yes, Leicester, I mean, I, I saw the stat that 46% of their goals this season are from penalties. Um, they tend to, Rodgers in general, my, my major criticism of him has been up until this season, he's always been a possession based manager and it's it's uh, it's all about uh, passing the ball and often they don't threaten they just pass the ball in very um in midfield areas and defense areas and then they they kind of wait for vardy to do a bit of magic and, and that that's their tactic uh, Rodgers has always been a possession based manager uh, but Lately, I will give him credit, in the Man City game, he played on the break. and um, But yesterday, you know, I have to agree, Leicester did not turn up. But I also say as well that Klopp has got uh, the hex over Rodgers, you know. Klopp, uh, 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 Rodgers has got an inferiority compared to Liverpool, and and, and I don't think, you know, he, he's, he, he goes into games with Liverpool with any great confidence himself. That's why I... I was very sure we'd win
1: it's a great answer absolutely yeah um uh, Klopp versus rogers it did it did look like um you know chalk versus cheese uh, you know bratwurst a fresh bratwurst versus a you know canned hot dog sausage uh didn't it right it was um you know Check out this stat by Andrew Beasley. I love this one. Uh, every other team in the Premier League has lost more home games this season than Liverpool have lost in the last three and a third seasons. Um, the record is absolutely phenomenal. We broke a record that, you know, had stood since the 31st of January 1981, uh, when Brendan Rodgers was eight years old and Jurgen Klopp was 13, and when you think about it, that home record is, is it should be absolutely celebrated, shouldn't it? Oh, it's incredible. Uh,
0: I think you compare it to some of the other records of this ilk, I think there's only really Chelsea that, that springs to mind for me at the minute. Uh, you go back to some of the records that we'd set previously that we've just beaten, and then you look at that side and how strong that was, and I think it's a real testament not just to the quality of the team that we have, but to to the the mentality, I know Jürgen calls us mentality monsters, and, and rightly so. Um, and, and it's really evident at Anfield, and my big worry for this season is I think that at some point that record will go, um, due to the lack of fans being there and I really don't want it to I really would feel like if the record went this season it it, it would be because of the lack of fans there to support us and, and I really don't want that to happen there's been a couple of hairy moments already with uh, us going behind in games and, and we'll keep finding ways to just come roaring back and beat teams um, but there's only a, a, a finite amount of time I can go on for, so the the sooner fans are allowed back in, and the sooner we can we can get behind the lads and start singing again, the the happier I'll be.
1: Excellent stuff. Yeah, I mean we can't wait to get the. Uh... To get everyone back in again to the stadium, of course, I I believe the word was bollocks that uh, Jürgen used to describe that situation. Bollocks and bullshit, and it's definitely both of those. But in the meantime, when we get to sit at home and watch the Rocket Reds, the Relentless Reds, rip people apart like yesterday. It, there were great performances all over the pitch, it's so, such an exciting game. Um, Andy Robertson, for example, uh, according to Squawker Football, it, these are a few of his numbers from yesterday, Robin. Um, 100% of his aerial duels won, 100% of his take-ons completed uh, from 94 touches. <clears throat> he got into the penalty area 12 times. Uh, 11 crosses, 6 duels won, 5 ball recoveries, 4 clearances, 3 chances created, 2 take-ons, 2 aerial duels, 1 clean sheet, 1 assist and on whoscored.com I can see that on top of that he got a 77% passing accuracy and 3 key passes, Um, he he was uh, absolutely supreme wasn't he, Robin? And I just want to spend a moment just thinking about that touch he played around Albrighton with the outside of his foot in order to make space for Jota's goal. Andy Robertson, Robin. um, We seem to be talking about him every week, but for good reason.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um... If it's not Andy Robertson, we'll be talking and waxing lyrical about somebody else. Everybody takes a turn in this team to show their class and produce man of the match performances. But Andy Robertson was up there to, uh, yesterday. He was a, uh, it was class all the way through and. You, you think that he got pulled out of the Scotland squad because of an a, a injury spare, another mu- muscle injury. Uh, but the way he was bombing up and down that left wing, he didn't show any signs of that. He showed a lot of confidence. He had a really good battle with their, with their right back. And I think he did reasonably well. But that little touch, I must have watched that replay of that Jota's goal uh, at least about 10 times he made that look so simple simple little touch not much trickery but it was just all about the timing and the deftness of touch just to create that space around and he had um a, more than enough time he created to put in that ball and what a ball he didn't even look up into that space he just hit it into the danger area and expecting a, a one of our forwards to uh, make that run in which was a really good run in by jota but um it was nice it, it was reassuring to have a member of a regular back five still there with the other three changing positions with Fab, Matip and um, uh, Milner. And he didn't disappoint. I mean, he's just top quality. I don't think we're surprised anymore. We know how good he is and the challenge he has with Trent to get the most amount of assist. He put in so many dangerous balls. And it's not just about the balls he puts in. It's the energy he puts down that flank. And support with Mane. He, uh, he has to create opportunities, and the little pass that he plays inside, whether it's to Gini or to Mane, is always crisp, Is always trying something. And with the crowd noises um, not being there, you can actually see when he's really groaning and disappointed in himself when that pass didn't come off, or if he's overplayed it. He always wants to do better, um, and you can actually feel that. So he's, he's only, what, 24, 25 years old, and he seems so experienced and established in that role that He's the best left back for me in the world. I can't think of anybody else that does an all-round job. Even if his defending uh, qualities are good and he tucks in well to defend crosses when he's coming in from the uh, our uh, our right hand side. It's everything about him is just a complete fallback in the modern era.
1: Yeah, totally. Um I'm sorry to report that he's actually twenty-six. Uh, so, you know, we've got one one or two years less of him, but it's still, you know, there's a long way to go. Hopefully touchwood if he stays injury free with Andy Robertson, because it, it, he's really in the form of his life and his life has been full of great form. Um, the other defenders, J- James Milner coming in at right back, 34 years old, two tackles, one interception, one clearance, one blocked shot, one foul, because he loves a good foul. One assist, of course, the corner that Bobby nodded in uh, late. But offensively, um, he had one shot, but five key passes, the most of anyone in the match. And I noticed that he played a lot of balls sort of between uh, Fuchs and the left back, uh, James Justin. And, you know, also between Fuchs and... Um, Johnny Evans at the centre of their three-man defence, and he was he was causing a lot of trouble with the ball, and and it was it was a consummate performance. Um, are you happy seeing him there at right back, or would you you know like to give Nico a chance and, and and save Millie for for midfield, Fergus? Because we're we're running out of numbers in midfield, right?
2: Yeah, I'm very happy to see Milner there. Knowing Klopp as we do know him, he's very reluctant to throw young players in um and nico williams has shown flashes of of quality um but at other times he's shown his naivety and you know the premier league and liverpool play at such a high level that one um foot wrong or one mistimed run or mistimed tackle by nico williams can cost us a game and cost us a goal so knowing klopp as we do he's he he puts milner in his reliable um you know, semi-captain or, or, or servant in there. And we always know, I mean, it must be a, a, a relief for Milner to be playing at right back, which is quite a, a familiar role with him, you know, ra- rather than left back, because he used to be a right winger and right midfielder at um, Newcastle and Leeds. So right back, he's he's really a natural there, and and he, he did brilliantly. But I also say that I agree with you that Andy Robertson was probably man of the match, maybe with Jota. Um You know, he started taking corners and free kicks. His crossing has improved a lot. And uh, I was recently looking up his old um, YouTube when he was with Dundee. It was either Dundee United or Dundee. I like to think it was Dundee. But um, he was such a brilliant player with Dundee as well. What a star. He scored a lot of goals. He had the exact same... um, uh, ability and and star quality as as he has with Liverpool and he was under 21 captain for Scotland he's currently captain for, for the senior Scotland side which have qualified for the Euros for the first time in decades and um, I can see him he's got he's developing his leadership qualities as well I can see him moving into being you know second or third Liverpool captain once Milner and a few others uh, move on. So he, he's brilliant. And it, just to show how good the Liverpool scouting is, they actually identified Chilwell, Chilwell, Ben Chilwell, um, who, who's doing very well now at, at Chelsea and did so at Leicester. And um, even before he made his Leicester debut, I remember Liverpool made an offer for him of about £8 million. Um, Chelsea w- w- wanted ten – sorry, Leicester wanted ten liverpool went in and got um, robertson instead but it just shows you how great the uh, scouting is when they chose they identified the two best left backs probably definitely in england and and possibly two of the less left uh, best in the world so yeah uh, all good milner as we know is is a winner and also uh, great to have him in the team and also it was very interesting to see the James Milner door at the new training ground so it's, it's lovely to see that that the club are paying tribute to him and it's, <laughs> it must be a laugh for all of them to to walk through that every day.
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely, um, I heard um, Graham Lasso saying that they he, he got given a door in the training out- ground and it was the exit door and that was quite funny uh, but anyway um, <laughs> but know it's excellent. Yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy Milner, what a legend. Um, another guy who who we don't know how long he's going to be in a red shirt for is Vine elder but he made his 200th competitive appearance for Liverpool. And um, on a list of players, you uh, talk about how many wins in their first 200 games for Liverpool. Um, how many wins did they get? on this list of John Barnes, Craig Johnson, Ian Rush, Steve McMahon, Gary Gillespie, Alan Kennedy, George Genovaineldum is at the top of that list with 133 wins from 200 games. He's been absolutely phenomenal for us and he was great again yesterday shuttling, uh, closing down space and one of the big reasons why as Fergus said before Ryan, um Leicester just couldn't keep the ball. Was Genie. Um, what do you make of, of him and his performance yesterday? I thought he
0: was absolutely fantastic. Uh, going into the game, I was a little bit concerned about. Uh, I know you mentioned Tielemans before being in the form of his life, and, and I've certainly noticed that myself. I think he's a fantastic player that Tielemans, but Genie was incredible. Obviously, he's got a very uh, new midfield partnership in front of him with uh abby kaita and curtis jones first half uh jones obviously being very inexperienced kaita's in and out of the sides and he just helped both of I them mean, uh Wijnaldum, henderson milner they've all got this fantastic ability to see the needs of the team around them and to be able to to compensate for the deficiencies of the players around them. You know, you see uh, Henderson when he covers for Trent, you see Milner when he was uh, playing in the side with Vine Alderman and, and Henderson when we had that so-called Brexit midfield where he'd cover for, for Robertson as well. Uh, and Genie was brilliant at doing the little bits of, of covering for Kaito, when Keita would do the things like bombing forward to pick up second balls. Uh, he, he does the things like sh- like sprinting 20, 30 yards pretty much all game, just sprinting 20, 30 yards there, 20, 30 yards here to, to block off a passing lane. And things like that go so get so underrated uh, by a lot of fans because they're not the, the, the attention-grabbing goals and assists that you associate with world-class players. Uh, and even with Gini Van Vijnaldum in a, in a Holland shirt, I think the, the role he plays for Liverpool is much more reserved than that. Um, and I thought he was absolutely brilliant yesterday in in, in, in dealing with what is actually a really good midfield, a quietly really good midfield that Leicester have managed to get there in James Madison and Yuri Tielemans. Uh, and even uh, Pappy Menz, I think a, a really underrated player that they've got there as well. Um, just to, to hark back on James Milner, I thought he was my man of the match. I thought he was absolutely fantastic, particularly early doors. Leicester had, had, had quite clearly tried to, to isolate James Milner and get the young legs of James Justin 1v1 against them. Um, and obviously that big age uh, disparity between the two, You know, James Milner's old enough to be his father, and obviously he's not, uh, but still he took, Took James, he absolutely took James Justin to school like he was his fucking daddy. It was great to see. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, great. Yeah, that that, the the very first um, move they did was a long ball, um, and Jimmy Milner, you know, rose uh, and absolutely thwacked it with his head out for a throw in. He he was not to be messed around with. Um, My man of the match was a different guy. it was Bobby Firmino who hit the post, he hit the crossbar about 15 times in the end. Uh, but he had 85.4% passing accuracy, absolutely unbelievable for a, for an attacking player. You compare it to Mane, for example, who had a good game as well, but only 67 passing accuracy, 67%. Bobby Firmino, 85.4% uh, from uh, 48 touches, which is amazing. 48 passes, excuse me, which is amazing. He was knitting things together. He was the M-theory. Binding all of the superstring theory of the uh, 11 dimensions uh, together. Bobby Firmino was unreal, I thought, uh, in that game, Robin. Um, He had one key pass... uh, and let me have a look offensively he ended up with six shots three on target of course he scored a goal only his third goal i think is in 47 matches at anfield which is kind of incredible uh, but it's so beautiful to see bobby back on the score sheet but more than that it's it's great to see him i mean he was in uruguay on wednesday at midnight kicking off against uruguay and then he came back and it's absolutely super Green yesterday, what did you think of him Robin?
3: He was class pure class um, we, we all, all of us um, Liverpool fans, we all appreciate What Bobby brings to the game and what what he brings to the table. Some some neutral fans, some outsiders, they don't always get to see all the Liverpool matches, so they may only judge him on the stats of assists and goals, which has dried up a little bit this year. But that's not his complete game. He he enables others to do their business. Um, So. We, we all appreciate him and it's nice to have him back on the score sheet again. I think he needed that. I think he needed that for his morale and his confidence. Not saying that it's um, he's a player that um, is playing badly, but all players thrive on that confidence and that um that, having a good performance in and they just needed that. It was evidence to see how much the team and the manager wanted him to score that goal the way that they celebrated. Everybody came up to him and that smile was amazing. Um, He's got many, many, many uh, more talent uh, to and um, his uh, things to offer Liverpool. So I was just really made up for him. He just, up until he got that goal, he felt as though he can't do anything more. Than what he's currently doing especially when that ball ricocheted off the post and in and again and the keeper just saved it he just needed that break it might be the turning point for him to go on a spree now he's been having more goals uh, for brazil than he has for uh, liverpool similar like to what genie winard doing for holland um, so it's a bit strange that but it was just a matter of time i get the goals um i'm just really happy for him. I think um I was watching a Sky Sports feed for um the match yesterday and it the goal that uh we not the goal that uh Bobby Firmino scored even got Patrice Evera off his chair and excited because everybody just wanted and was willing that goal to go in for him and it was a great header. It was a very class header. It wasn't something Fortunate or lucky or a deflection or just a tapping in it, it involved a lot of skill to be able to get that ball into the corner that he did, the way he rose up. So it just shows you what a brilliant player is and how much we rely upon him for us to knit as a unit. It's nice to have options in Jota and others coming through, but Bobby's um, very much a fan's favourite.
1: Great stuff. Yeah, Jota is coming through, Fergus. I want—I haven't spoken to you about Diogo Jota. It's the first time you're on Cop on this season. It's absolutely, absolutely wonderful to have you here. So, what, what, what do you make of Jota? His impact. I mean, you could talk about yesterday, his brilliant performance. You said he's probably man of the match with Robertson, um, or you know, just in general. Go, go wherever you like with it, Diogo Jota.
2: He's been absolutely magnificent. What surprises me actually, when you look at him on the field. He's actually our biggest forward, you know. He's 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 a big, strong. Even though he's you know he's not he's he's probably not more than five ten or so, um, maybe. Uh, but he's he's a big, solid lad, and he's much stronger than uh, like the, let's say bigger. He's a bigger unit than Mane, Salah, or Firmino. So, and when he gets the ball, he just charges at people. He frightens people. He takes them on. He bursts past them and um and he's just so direct so confident so comfortable maybe it's really helped him playing in front of no fans who knows i know he said he regrets not having the anfield faithful but i mean he's he's just playing like totally fearlessly and the 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 great thing is he's introduced so much competition to all front three positions so now now uh, Bobby has to up his game, which, you know, he had a great game yesterday, as you say. Um, you know, Sala will have to make sure his scoring boots are on because Jota's scoring boots are on. And even Mane, you know, Jota can play in any of those three positions. So he's been absolutely brilliant, you know, and I don't know what metrics. I always admired him for Wolves. But um, and I often wondered why they didn't play more of him. But I didn't expect him to have this type of impact. And you know, you just have to give credit to the FSG um, bods and um, and physicists and all these types of people they have in the background who are looking at the underlying stats. They're not just watching games. In fact, I think it's Michael Edwards says that you know he 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 prefers not to see a player before he signs them. I think it was Edwards it was Edwards or one of the head of stats you know they don't they don't um, look at footage of players they look at the underlying stats and they look at the stats that other people don't look at and they've just picked up a real gem in, in Jota.
1: Yeah you're damn right I've got a few stats in front of me here um, when he was 21 that was his first season uh, with Wolves in the Premier League after having got them promoted and being Uh, by all accounts, their best player in their promotion season. After Wolves came up, he had 0.3 per 90 XG, 0.31 XG per 90 and 0.15 assists. And that went up when he was 22 years old last season. Um, His XG for the whole season was 0.38, up from 0.31. And his expected assists was exactly the same, 0.15. Um, over 2,284 minutes of Premier League football. So really, really good performance. But then this season, he's played um, just in the Premier League seven games. He scored every time at home, of course, four goals. And his, so his XG in seven games is 0.53 and his X assists, expected assists is 0.27. So up from 0.31 to 0.38 to 0.53 for expected goals. 0.15, 0.15 and then 0.27 for expected assists. So he's absolutely improving. You can tell the difference, the Liverpool effect, we're making more chances and he's absolutely loving life. And we love having him, don't we, Ryan? Diogo Jota was absolutely terrific again yesterday, a danger every time he got anywhere near the ball.
0: Yeah, he was. One of the things about not having fans in the ground is that guy's got a bomb out of a song as well, so it's really disappointing that we can't get to sing it for him because I think he's going to really, really enjoy it. Is it? Is
1: it? Is it? D i o g o. Is it that <laughs> one?
0: It is, yeah. Uh, but I think, I think the fans are going to have a ball singing it. I think we're 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 all going to have a really fun time with him. Uh, and I think you know. I, I've been saying for a while that one of the things Firmino you know, was missing was was the fans singing a song because that thing goes on for like ages. It goes on for like five ten minutes at a time in some games, and I think he really feeds off that and it it, it helps bring out the best. It brings out the, the best flicks and tricks from him. Um, that there's potentially even more to get out of Jota when he's playing in front of fans, and if that's the case, then that's a scary proposition for any other any other club and certainly other defenses. I think. And you mentioned earlier as well about the idea of who comes out of the team when Salah can come back into it and I think there's going to be so many games coming up. The uh, and, and Jota, one of the things I really like about him is how versatile he is. Like We've seen him play on the left to great effect. Uh, we've seen him play up the middle to great effect. We've now seen, seen him play on the right and be absolutely devastating as well. And I just think that you can bring him in for any one of that from three and he can be from, from the bench or you can start him in any of those positions and he can be brilliant. Uh, I think he might in in some ways be more versatile than anyone else in that front three because he can play all of those positions really well. And I, I don't want to get too carried away so early to because I once as a young, young boy did that with a to youth and I still haven't, I still haven't forgiven myself <laughs> for it. But I genuinely think he could be like as good, if not better in terms of being an unsuspected Brilliant, world-class player. He could be even better than Mane or Salah was, or when we when we first saw them. Uh, I think obviously both of them have gone to a level that no one really anticipated at the time, and I think Jota could even be better than that, which is frightening.
1: Well, I mean, he might even be better than El Hadji to you, for ultimately. But uh, I wish I hadn't said (laughs) that. No, no, no. no. uh, Sorry to bring back the scars, to open up the old wounds. We'll forget about it. Diogo Jota. Um. So yeah, four goals in seven Premier League games. Also, four goals. In three Champions League games, um, in total, it's it's five hundred and seventy minutes, which works out as just over sorry, just under six games. If you if you include additional time, so just under six games of football in total, and he's got eight goals. Absolutely nuts. Um, Yet yeah, before we move on, we're going to talk about the Champions League. Um, we had Ferguson's uh, men of the match being Diogo Jota and Andy Robertson. Uh, Ryan was very much into James Milner. Um, I loved. Bobby Firmino, um, uh, I don't know, but you could also. I also love the performance of our centre backs, who I haven't really spoken about. But uh, that's probably a good sign. Who was your man of the match, Robin?
3: I thought the centre backs really did um, did really well. They made um, it look quiet and simple, and I that think that's always a good sign. There's no drama, and, uh, and they cleaned up everything well. And here we are talking about them in a clean sheet. Nothing really happened. There's a couple of chances that Barnes and um, Uh, One of the other players had Which they could have scored But nothing really to get worried about So I think they were decent Um, I think Milner and Bobby and Andy Robertson All had a fantastic game I would probably go for Milner because I think I really liked his crisp passing. There was a few times where, uh, from the right-back position, he played the ball directly with pace into the feet of um, Jota and Firmino. And I think that set the tempo for the attack. As soon as that pass, those passes happened, Leopold just picked up the pace in their, uh, their, their close build-up play and it, we just pushed up again. So he was a catalyst for that. And... I th- I think that set us off, off on the right foot to to attack the game like we wanted to. So I think that was great. He also added that leadership with um, a few of the key players being uh, gone uh, missing this, especially Hendo and VVD, we just needed somebody vocal to be able to uh, organize their pitch and he's a great leader in in that team. So I think we needed that um but all the all the players I thought put in a really good shift. Um there wasn't anybody who had a poor game. Even Nabi Kato was um not bad. Curtis Jones I think deserves a good shout. So he, he just fitted in so well and he gives the kind of um it gives a calmness to local fans in the team that it's not somebody substandard that we have to worry about, we have to carry, or hopefully the other players can master that position. I think he held his own there, and you wouldn't feel disappointed if he started the next few games if uh, Tiago and Henderson are not back uh, in that midfield. Um, but if I had to put my neck on the line, I would probably go for Milner as my man of the match. And sometimes when he doesn't play as many games, you kind of forget what he brings to the table. Um, but he brings an all-round performance. Yes, his tackling can be sometimes a little bit scary, and you know he's 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 well primed to pick up a yellow card here or there. But everything else he brings is is so well balanced that I'm glad that he's in our team. And um, it makes us still be the same Liverpool team, no matter what personnel are in the first
1: eleven. They should gild the door. That's what I suggest. Gilding the door. Um, you're absolutely right to mention Curtis Jones as well. Uh, I was looking at some stats earlier for him. He had he had one shot. It was on target. Uh, two key passes. Um, but. It really impressed me. His off-the-ball work was really, really good. Closing down the space, he managed to get a, one tackle in only on the stats. But he, you could see his his defensive work was superb. Uh, but with the ball, he was actually our second best, in terms of passing accuracy, our second best passer on the night. Fabinho was top, which you would expect from a centre-back, although 97.6% passing accuracy from 82 passes is You know, that's frankly nuts. And then uh, next on the list was Curtis Jones. And for a midfielder, remember, 84% is a good passing accuracy. He got 91.7% at age 19, coming into that high pressure situation. Wow, Curtis. Wow. But let's move on. We've got the Champions League. We've got Atalanta next. Atalanta, who since losing to us 5-0, have drawn with Inter Milan at home 1-1 Atalanta were at home and then away to Spezia who's a team I don't know anything about to be honest um they drew nil-nil on the weekend on Saturday with Spezia I'll try and have a look where they are in the league and they are 13th in the league well there you go um but Atalanta I personally I was thinking about a team the team to pick before you know to preview this match, and I'm, I'm, I'm not picking anyone. I picked, I picked Allison, but no, I'm going to go Kelleher in goal, Nico Williams, uh, Reese Williams, or, or some other reserve defender. I'm putting Jeannie Ryan at the back because Fab and Matic for me are not even traveling. Uh, Kostas Simikas at left back, um, my midfield three of Curtis Jones, he can go again, Clarkson and Kane, uh, Div. Tacky and Manet up front you see where I'm going uh, with this one Fergus I just say you know just give it to them just you know what's the point of even traveling there um do you disagree totally
2: yeah I would not totally disagree but I'd go a bit stronger than that and just to remind you I think the matches at Anfield um so we already played them. Oh,
1: excuse me. Yes, excuse me. That does change things. Gosh, yes, absolutely. Terrible planning on my part. Who would you pick then, Fergus? OK, well, I just you have to have the Brighton game in mind.
2: And for me, of the two, considering the relative standings in the Champions League group and also in the Premier League, Uh, there's obviously much hotter competition it seems in the Premier League, we do have to wrap up the Champions League group but I would take some risks on on the the selection on Wednesday in order to preserve some players for the Brighton game on Saturday which is away and it is at 12.30 in the morning well afternoon, as Klopp says it's breakfast time you know Um, (laughs) yeah so getting down to Brighton, they probably have to travel down the Friday night, they're playing on Wednesday night late, they won't be back in Liverpool till Thursday morning sort of dawn or whatever when they when they get the charter plane back so Thursday will be a rest day Friday then just pl- planning probably have a training session and travel down to f- Brighton Friday night and stay in the hotel for the game the next morning so it's a very very tough schedule so in terms of the team I would stick Alison in goal I mean goalkeepers luckily have relatively low attrition so I'd keep Allison there. He's he's our bedrock. Uh, but it, I would have an experimental or or a, a makeshift back four. But I think because of the way that this season has gone, a lot of our players now have had three, four, and five games under their belts, including the Champions League. So we can play them. And we know Atalanta aren't a great side. So I would have Nico Williams right back, Reece Williams centre-back. I'd have one um, experienced player in the, in the back four, which is Matip. I'd play Matip again um, and then Simicast left back to give uh, Robertson a rest because I think Simicast looks a good player. I would also play Fab in midfield uh, to anchor uh, uh, between Jones and Genie. Jones and Genie and, and Fab can go again. And then uh, up front, I play Salah, who's missed the last game. Uh, Minamino in the middle, and Jota on the left because Jota's on fire. I mean, that, this is all assuming that Catenho Hendo, and, and Tiago won't won't be um, uh, available, and it's also assuming that Milner, Firmino, and uh, and. Uh, Anyway, Milner, Firmino, and uh, Mane will be uh, preserved for the Brighton game on Saturday morning. So it's a bit of a mix and match side for me. And I expect us to still, the way, you know, we beat Everton with a scratch side last season, and. Uh, the, 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 it's a system team now and all the players know their parts. So I expect us also to beat Atlanta by one or two goals, uh, or, even with that
1: type of lineup. Great stuff. Absolutely. What do you think, Ryan? I
0: know I mentioned earlier, like before we started the, the podcast, I, I was joking around about starting Cueven Kelleher, but I think I will go a little bit stronger. Uh, t- I think we're right. Like Keepers don't tend to need that much rest because they don't do that much running. Although, Allison, to be fair, came pelting out of his goal at one point uh, during the Leicester game, which, more than anything, by his speed, speed.
1: Yeah, did you see? It? He didn't even kick it out for a touch. Like, no, no. Every this. other keeper in the world, he played this sort of sliding chip. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Only
0: keeper in the world that could have done that. So, yeah, I'm playing him again. I think you're, you're pretty close with your defence at the gone. I, I would go, sorry, uh, Nico Williams, right back. Costa Timicus, left back. Uh, Reese Williams, centre back. The question there is who would you put with him? For me, I think I'm putting Fabinho. I don't think Matip can play three games in a week and I want him there for Brighton. Uh, so, yeah, Fabinho and Reese Williams in the midfield. I'm going to go 4-2-3-1, by the way. So, I'm going to put Jeannie and Curtis Jones in that midfield again because uh, I, I was really impressed But by the way... Curtis, with Curtis Jones, we've seen some of the, the Flair moments that he, he's been able to produce But what really impressed me about the performance Against Leicester was his maturity uh, he, I, I wasn't convinced that he could be One of the three central midfielders If you like, in, in the 4-3-3 that we usually play And that performance really convinced me Of the, the lad's uh, tactical prowess uh, So I put him in with Genie And then uh, Taki Minamino in the 10 And uh, I think hmm, left wing divock for me was Firmino. Firmino stayed on, so he's going to have to come off. So that'll be Jota. Ah, Shaqiri's not fit. Salah. Salah's tested negative for COVID. He didn't play at the weekend. He can go. He can play. here and we can hook him off at some point and bring in. I don't know. Um, oh, maybe Thiago Henderson off the bench for half an hour see if we can't get some minutes into those two before they start getting you know back into the premier league proper because that's where we really need them uh and i think that side could well be strong enough could just about be strong enough to see off atalanta um and hopefully get qualification sorted but even if the you know even if we draw or, or heavens forbid lose uh I think there's still enough quality in that squad, and I still think there's enough games left in in the group, obviously, for it to, to
1: qualify easily. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a really it's a really good team. Uh, there you go. You've had you've had two different teams, Robin. Um, three different, excuse me, including mine, which is you know more experimental than, you know, Thomas Edison on on acid. Um, what would you go with, Robin?
3: I think it's a good opportunity to give um, some of the other guys a game. I, I wouldn't. Uh, disagree too much with Fergus and Ryan, I think they chose really good teams um, and also we're a bit restricted to what kind of players we have so uh, my, my, I'd like to give uh, Robertson a rest, so I'll probably put Um I'm not quite sure if Rice Williams is available he was pulled up on the England team so if he was there I'd, I'd play him I obviously now Matt phillips isn't eligible i put nika williams are right back and i think the putting ginny in the center back is probably what i go for i'd like to give Fabinho rest especially coming back from a hamstring injury just want to make sure that's fully rested for the period the three wins in the champions leagues are set up quite nicely so it's not hectic and urgent to try and push for a win and being at anfield is usually um a good sign for us um so Nico Williams are right back, Rice Williams if he's still if he's available, Simecas and Genie is in the middle, midfield Jones, Jota, and Milner, and up front I've put uh, Minamino Salah. Um I think he's been well rested now. Um, and he's been tested negative yesterday as I mentioned, and the other one, I'm not sure. I think we don't have too many options, so I'll probably go with Divock. Devocks almost a forgotten man. He's obviously been a cult hero and the things he's done, but he just needs to be able to produce a bit more. But he's not been too bad when he's come on, so I think I'd give him a run out as well, and rest um, Mane and Firmino, um for the next game, which I think is Brighton. Um, that's probably my team, but I think it may change depending on who's available and who comes back from injury. If um, Thiago's um, more match fit, I'll probably give him a game and perhaps move Jota to the front three to take over from Divock. But I think I'll go with that.
1: It's a good team. You're rolling out the Div. Absolutely. Why not? Um, great player. Well. In the current context, he'd be, he'd be brilliant for, he'd, he'd start for most teams in the Premier League and possibly get 20 goals because he's a, he is lethal. Um, we, can, we can give him that if you give him the chance. Um, so our next match is then uh, Atalanta, Brighton, Ajax, Wolverhampton, uh, Midtjylland, Fulham, Tottenham, Crystal Palace and all of that is in the next month. Um, it's absolutely, it's insane, Fergus. Um, we're gonna get more injuries, aren't we? Uh, but even if we do get even more injuries, Fergus, is anyone in this league gonna stop us?
2: I'd say no. I mean, looking at it, just, just uh, uh, I've said from the start of the season, I, I can't see anyone uh, finishing ahead of Liverpool just because of the the mentality and the togetherness of the team. Um, If this team wants to win the league, then they will, and I'm sure they do want to win it. I mean, look at um, Man City are a shambles. You know, we could do a whole podcast on them, but that would just be, um, you know, that would just be, I suppose it's a bit obvious now where they're going. Their back four is a shambles. They can't really um, defend. But anyway, Spurs and Chelsea have had very good runs uh, but they have very difficult fixtures coming up in the next five to six games both Spurs and Chelsea and in fact and also Leicester you know we we, you know we know Rodgers is, is a bottler he bottled it with Liverpool in 1415. You know, we only had to 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 um, we didn't have to thrash Crystal Palace, and he failed to defend. His tactics were all wrong when we were three nil up, and then we didn't have to beat Chelsea either. And you know, and Gerard being caught on the halfway line—he always gets the blame for that. Whereas, you know, would you think Klopp would leave one player on the halfway line being pressed with the ball and nobody behind him? I have never seen Klopp do that. So, you know. Uh, Rodgers will always bottle it unless unless he improves as a manager with Leicester, so they're not going to be anything. So Spurs and Chelsea are probably our main rivals, but they're really going to be tested now over the five, six fixtures. And another really interesting thing, of course, which we haven't brought up yet, is that um, it was announced today that fans will be back. Uh, to the level of 4,000 in in a tier one area, which is obviously the COVID um, restrictions. Uh, I think Liverpool is currently tier three, but who knows how well that might improve to tier two or tier one. So I think if if Liverpool becomes a tier two city, they can get 2,000 fans in in into the stadium, and if they can become a tier one area in terms of the of the COVID um, cases, then they can get 4,000 into the in, into the stadium, and that's the 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 first um game when that might happen, I think December the third you're allowed fans in as long as you're a tier one area uh but that may not happen for liverpool it's it's I can't remember who are playing December the third, but December the sixteenth we're playing um uh we're playing Tottenham at home. Now, we've had a, a, resurg- a resurgent Jose Mourinho. He's been rehabilitated because Jose is an underdog. He loves being an underdog coach. He tends to suffer and struggle at big clubs like Real Madrid, Man United. He does well enough, but he's, he's really underappreciated in, in his own mind, and he gets quite bitter But when you stick him in a club like um, Porto or Inter Milan or even now Tottenham, he gets his mojo back. And he has got his mojo back with with, uh, Spurs. And in fairness, they're doing well. But I mean, it would be great if Liverpool on December the 16th can put Jose to the sword as we have done with so many other teams over the last few years. You know, you just just put their title um, ambitions and their ideas uh, and their illusions to bed. Uh, at Anfield with a crowd on December the 16th, that would be wonderful. And another final thing on that was very interesting. I only read it in the, in one of the online um, newspapers that Klopp actually brought up. Um, he complained directly about Sky and BT and the scheduling in his post-match interview with, uh, after Leicester. And he, he, he actually mentioned Sky and BT and said that it's ridiculous that they have to pay at 12, play at 12.30 and something has to be done about this. But Sky uh, cut that bit of the interview out. They, they failed to air it, which really is not on. Um, but that's that's kind of typical of, of the lack of support that Liverpool and other clubs are getting you know clearly we should have five subs uh, clearly the players are just being whipped you know like um, cart horses uh, it's not fair and it's going to affect the quality of the league uh, going forward it's going to make winning the league title a bit of a lottery But um, in the end, I just think that our mentality, we are the champions, we have the champions mentality and we just refuse to be beaten and we go out there, we have the right level of respect and the right level of arrogance to go out and win every game.
1: I love it. I love the answer. Um, I mean, the upshot, the upside to... um, you know playing all these games is that man city will continue to not win the champions league which is pretty funny the longer it goes on um tottenham's next few games as you mentioned um they've got ludogorets don't, don't don't forget them in the europa league U- ludogorets chelsea lask arsenal antwerp crystal palace and then liverpool um, so just in the league, it's 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 Arsenal. To, uh, sorry, Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham. Uh, Chelsea, start Chelsea, Arsenal, Palace, and then us, and then after that they play Leicester. So good luck, Jose. We'll see what you're made of come the twentieth of December. And as for Chelsea, their next month is Wren uh, in the Champions League. Tottenham, Sevilla, Leeds. Krasnodar, Everton, Wolves, West Ham, and then the Boxing Day fixture is against Arsenal. Uh, Ryan, are are either of those teams going to stop us because they are our nearest challengers?
0: Probably not. Time will tell. Too early to be too bullish. I think one of the things that I really admired about our side last season and our fans last season is that until it was was actually until the Man United game where we beat them 3-1 and Salah scores that last minute winner and at that point Anfield erupts until we're going to win the league and there was a sense of humility all the way through that season that I'd like us to keep a handle on um, because getting too carried away too easily is a hallmark of past Liverpool
1: sides and, and then we all end up getting our hearts broken and made fun of and I don't want that It's a very reasonable answer um, absolutely but uh, I'm, 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 I just can't help but you know, get giddy when you think of all the all the players coming back from injury as well as they will over the next few months, hopefully, hopefully, um Robin, how bullish are you feeling i think i'm I'm getting
3: more and more confident as the season goes on. I think we've had a little bit of a shaky start, and it's been a strange year, strange season um but it's we're not the we're not in it alone. I think other other teams have had a similar kind of start. Um, I think when we get into the rhythm, we will look better and better. And I think we have been the last few games. We're starting to see this football that we are used to. So it's very good uh, reason to feel bullish uh, about what the prospects are. And if we're pushing the top spot, joint top at the moment, with this many injuries. Um, it only bodes well when some of these players will be coming back. It's great to know that uh, Virgil van Dijk has started light training again, and we just see how his rehabilitation goes. Everybody says he's out for the rest of the season, which probably is so, but I have a feeling that he may still get a few games at the end of the season, same with Gomez as well. Just keep our fingers crossed. Um, we've got an opportunity to look at the transfer window in uh, January to see if they if we do need to get somebody else. I think we all as fans have uh, total faith in uh, my was and the team and club that they won't be panic buying anybody. It, it would have to fit in, and whoever they get in, it will be uh, with a lot of homework done that it's the right person to come in. So I feel as that's another option that we have. Uh, I, there's reason to be bullish. I think our opponents around us nobody's a finished article if anything we're the most polished team uh city and chelsea have been impressive but uh it's it's early days to see say that they're a great team Man city have got problems scoring and creating goals and i don't see that improving to get a top top striker in the market it's hard to find and i don't see them being able to f- um, use the current squad of players to be able to f- uh, find that gap so I think it bodes well that we are in a good position. Our opponents are not as strong as us. We've got the best coach and we've got a system which has been so finely tuned that regardless of who the person's coming into play, they'll all know the part and they fit into, gel into a system that um, carries on going playing the brand and style of football, that it's a successful. So it's every reason to be uh, bullish. And... The experience over the last two and a bit years has added that Steeler mentality to these players that they know what the campaign is all about and the experience that's come to them will only help them to improve from mistakes that they've learned along the way to make us even better and stronger. It's not an aging team. Most of them are coming to the prime or at the prime. So we've got a good mixture of players and it's a nice way to to bed in some of the youngsters to learn the Liverpool way of how to play and how to conduct themselves on the pitch and what it means to put on a red shirt so there's loads of aspects for us to be optimistic about our future
1: Wonderful stuff and on that note um, I think we're going to leave it for today we've been you know, it's it's been so nice to talk to you all, to hear all, all the different views, I mean Liverpool are brilliant, I think Ryan's right, we can't get too far ahead of ourselves, um, perhaps with the injuries we're not, you know, the best team of all time, but I think we're still the best team of this season um, and our performances like yesterday just fill you with joy, don't they? As does speaking to you guys, thank you so, so much, really, thank you Um, And, you know, all the best. Have a lovely evening.
3: Cheers.